I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. The world is a pretty big place, filled with billions of people with a wide range of passions and interests. For this episode, we went global, invited Stuart Kerr, a plumber turned photographer from Scotland who now lives in Australia, and Luke Leesburg, a club pro in New Zealand who's now pursuing a career in photography and potentially moving to New York City to join us for a conversation. This episode is a great example of no matter how massive the world may seem, a lot of us are chasing the same things. We're trying to find the career of our dreams, experience different cultures, and nerd out on golf. Let's get started. Thanks for being on the podcast, first and foremost. I know it's early for you guys late here, but it's good to see both of your faces. I've casually chatted with both of you online, off and on, I don't know, for the, for the past few months. Uh, Stuart and I actually met in person for the first time ever at the Open this past year. I was walking by the Dunvegan and he was sitting out front and like, it's interesting how like Instagram and you see people and you connect and then you like meet in person and it's just like that weird moment. Uh, so looking to do more and more of that stuff and especially with fair game, we like this idea of just community, like meeting people and talking. And I think the origin idea with this podcast, how we kind of like put these pairings together, it's like you learn so much about people just playing nine holes of golf or, or 18. So it's like, Hey, we're just, this podcast is just us playing nine holes. This is the nine hole pub crawl pop podcast. Uh, drinks are optional. I, I have water. So if, <laughs> yeah. So if you guys want to do your thing, whatever. Um, but yeah, just to kind of like talk, get to know each other, whatever. Um, I don't know uh, each of your stories in terms of like how you got into the golf. I love to hear those. It's one of my favorites. Uh, who wants to go first? Luke, you want to go? Give us the deets. I mean, been in golf for the longest time I can remember pretty cliche story i think i just followed around my dad as a kid like most probably do growing up the typical kind of skip school go play nine holes tell your parents you're at school when you're at the golf course quickly realizing that maybe i wasn't as good as i thought so i started to actually just have fun with golf um always wanted to work in golf Definitely went down that whole PGA professional route. So I graduated from that program in New Zealand two and a half years ago now, three years ago now, coming up on three years. <clears throat> and I've been working as the head professional at a golf course. That actually, that's where I met Stuart um, at Jack's Point in Queenstown, New Zealand. But I've been there for about five, six years now. Nice. Recently resigned. Um, I finished up there toward the end of November last year. Um, and right now, probably just, yeah, figuring out my next move. But this whole photography thing, I still don't know. I guess I've got a little bit of that imposter syndrome. I'm just going with the flow. Um, I still have no idea what I'm doing. No one does. No one does, man. What? No one, no one does. No one does. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> just has given me some opportunities like to meet people like Stuart and stuff that I never thought I would shoot a lot of the, like, the golf tournaments in New Zealand. And now... Obviously, being able to make my next move to the States probably here in a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty crazy what it's done to my life. It's, I mean, you work hard to get to a director of golf level and then just to go and quit for a stupid little camera. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty wild. I didn't know that. That's wild. So, wait a second. So, you went to school for golf. When, did, when along the way did you pick up photography? 
So it was probably two years into my time at Jack's, just when I was starting to get into more of that like managerial role. Um, I started to do a lot more marketing and those kind of responsibilities started falling on my plate. And, you know, nothing against the marketing team, but basically it was a lot of people that were posting photos that weren't really gulpers. So you'd see a photo, although it's beautiful, it would have had water in the bunkers or it was the photo uh-huh. of the hole the wrong way. Just like little things like only golfers would be nitpicky about. Sure. But I thought with the stature of the club, it was like a golfer should really take the account more seriously because everyone knows the benefit of social media. Especially with a golf course is so visually stunning as Jack's. It's, you'll struggle to find a more aesthetically pleasing golf course. Right. Every time. You, you mean, you know the holes, five, six, seven. When you get around there, I mean, we spent probably an hour or two driving back to the seventh, the par three there. It's still, you still get goosebumps playing that, that golf course. So, I mean, sh- shout out to John Darby for, for building that gym. But yeah, I just started like taking photos of my iPhone and then I thought this is kind of fun. I'll buy a little camera. So I think I got like a Fujifilm XE3 maybe, I think it was. Love a Fuji. Fujis are good. Yeah. <laughs> Fujis are good. You know, it was a small, small little thing. And then I just got, it just took over my life. Like I, I basically, I can't remember the last time I played around a golf without my camera. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I've got one of those peak design clips that just sits on my Jones bag. And it's basically my range finder. Like, like as people have their range finder attached to my bag, I've just got my camera. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, you post a few online, you meet some people and a few kind of companies start coming your way. And yeah, some of the stuff I've been able to do is like still mind blowing. That's really cool. And now it's like all I think about. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I've never heard of a of a of a head pro picking up photography and get, and getting good at it enough to like hang with like some of the best shooters in the game. Your shots are great, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been trained. Like, I think when we went to our first kind of COVID lockdown here in New Zealand, I think at the time I was such a big fan of this photographer in Iceland, Benjamin Harbin. I'm sure everyone kind of follows him. He put out this like. 10 part series masterclass. And obviously, I was just bored every day because golf wasn't a thing when we were locked in a room. So I kind of mm-hmm. bought that and it was a lot about editing stuff. So that's the only kind of teaching or schooling I've had from it. Um, besides that, I've just been kind of learning just the classic YouTube. If I want to know how to do something, I just YouTube it. Um, YouTube, and yeah. slowly you kind of, yeah, you find your way a little bit. And I found my colors, I've made my own, you know, presets and things like that. And now I'm just, yeah, going along that's- with it. That's awesome. That I love that. That that's a great story. YouTube is a powerful thing. Biggest thing with that is just having a can do yes attitude. Just say yes to anything and then kind of figure it out later. Like you say, dealing, I suppose, with that like imposter syndrome, which everyone kind of deals with in their own way. If you actually mm-hmm. just go, Yeah, I can do it, and then just you just figure it out. <laughs> everyone because you have to remind yourself everyone's doing exactly the same thing. Well, not everyone. Some people might know what they're doing out there, but Yes. I'm yet to meet someone that knows what I've done. <laughs> I think it was last year. I mean, I had, I was, it was last year. I probably, I was at the point of a few more brands are starting to reach out and Lululemon reached out to me, which I mean, I'm a, the biggest fanboy there is. Like, I mean, I just, I'm addicted to the stuff. And when they <laughs> DM me saying they wanted me to help with the like winter campaign, I was like, oh my God, I've made it. I've cracked it. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm quitting Jack's. Like, this is it. But then, like, you sit down 10 minutes later and you're like, shit, 
like, all right, that means I have to take a photo. Like, it's, they're going to, like, fly models out. It's a pretty big deal. It's a big yeah. deal, yeah. Big it's not deal. a hobby anymore. <laughs> it's not a hobby anymore. Yeah. So that's when I started to sweat a little bit. I'm like, shit, can I actually do this? But then I got through that. So now I'm, like, getting that one off my belt. Like, now, now I'm confident enough. But, yeah, that one really woke me up a little bit. Yeah, that's it's amazing. And it's interesting like that there is that line where when it goes from hobby to like, oh, this is this is for real, especially with photography. Like I I by no means consider myself to be a shooter. I am a like I know I kind of know how to operate a camera. That's how I like define myself. See imposter syndrome. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, like walk around with the camera, get a good strap, like, you know, like and just fake it till you make it. But like this i i'm i'm very impressed by photographers and any type of creative where it's like you are able to perform at that high level one when you know clients are around models are there money's been spent like and you have and those moments where it's like you have to get the shot like it reminds me i used to work at this magazine called gear patrol and i'll tell you a funny story about google and googling things in a second but like uh we had a photographer there his name was henry and he was such a good shooter, like self-taught, like learned it. He was such a good shooter. Like if it was like, oh, I need to get this shot of this moment that will never pass again. He would get photos that I knew I would miss or I would just like, you know, yeah. miss focus, like stupid things like that. And that part is like, some of it comes with reps, like just doing it more and more. Um, yeah, but I've always found that skill to be really impressive. But speaking of Googling and this idea of like faking it till you make it, um, hopefully i don't actually i don't even care so i got a job as an art director for a magazine called gear patrol years ago um and i did like the first five or six issues of it like it won design awards like it it was a great thing but i before this i had never worked in a magazine before i had never you know i learned basic indesign in school and i got offered this job and they're like hey do you want to help us create a magazine and i was like yeah and literally, literally, day one on the job, Googling how to how to make a magazine. <laughs> like, I, I, I kid you not. And you just, you figure it out. Because to Stuart's point, that attitude of like, I truly believe, especially in today's day and age and with technology, anything can be figured out. You just have to just like find that path. There are certain yeah. things that are require a little bit more complexity, but for the most part, you can hobble along and make some really cool stuff. So- uh, yeah, Eric Yang and Ben Bowers, thank you for giving me that job and helping me make that really cool <laughs> magazine. And yes, I did figure it out. But yeah, you can do it. I think you can do it if you have one tool and that is passion for it. Yeah. That's what I think is the, the main thing that you have to have to really pursue it and to figure out if you're passionate about it and you're obsessed with it, then you really can do it. Um, like you were saying, Luke, just take your camera out and then you just become obsessed and you're always and then going back to what you're saying about getting the shot on a shoot you both will know when you get a shot and you know you got a shot and you look on the screen of your camera and you can see you got the shot it's a euphoric yeah. feeling you it's know, so you good can't wait you can't <laughs> wait to get it on your computer and see it bigger to see if it's as good as you think it is and to see if you actually did get the shot if it was in right there's any scratch on the screen or any dust it does it does work out all right that just adds to the atmosphere that was all part of the plan yeah yeah it's all intentional right right yeah and that's also part of the creative process that people don't talk about is that there are the mistakes that no one will ever 
that the happy accidents that that occur that oh. just yeah you yeah that was intentional that's just what we do honestly 70 percent of my work is happy accidents 30 <laughs> percent are pre-planned the rest are those happy accidents where you just happen to be shooting and you just capture but it's like you were saying andrew of always capturing that moment that you may may have missed yeah you know and yeah. sometimes those if you just happen to be shooting you might capture something and you will look back and go oh wow mm-hmm. i don't even mean to shoot that right like oh oh that's interesting and then and <laughs> yeah. yeah that's how it goes uh Stuart, i don't know how you got into the golf and how you got into photography what uh can you give us the give us the breakdown yeah, I feel like growing up in Scotland, it's just being involved in golf is kind of par for the course, pardon the pun. Um, I spent most of my summers as a kid in St. Andrews. We would go there, my family would all kind of rent a house and we'd go there and play in the Himalayas as a kid and all that sort of stuff. But I was way more a football slash soccer guy uh, growing up. And it wasn't really until I moved to Australia in 2005 that I'd always played golf socially with some friends, but football took up so much of my time that I never really had the time for it. And it was when I moved to Australia and it was sunshine 10, 11 months out of the year and I wasn't going to be battling the elements in Scotland uh, that I became a fair weather golfer and really just got obsessed with it. Um and played more and more. My dad, my dad was a big golfer. He was really keen on it. So dad and I would spend every weekend playing golf together kind of thing. And then in 2013, uh, my wife and I moved to the US and not a lot, a lot, some people know, not a lot of people know I'm actually a plumber by trade. So <laughs> nice. I'm a fully qualified plumber and, um, here in Australia. And when we moved to the US in 2013, uh, my wife had kind of says we were going for her work and she'd says you can just try and do something that you're really passionate about where we have this opportunity to be here and I'd always been a hobbyist very much a hobbyist photographer and uh, she said if you could do anything that you want what would it be I said I'd love to do something in entertainment and something golf and somehow kind of blend it too and then yeah, all kind of led from there. As you guys know, I do a lot of work with Eric, uh, Eric Anders Lang, and Eric and I met at a mutual friend's birthday party and just got talking golf. As soon as he heard my Scottish accent, he just got back from Scotland. And we, yeah, we just got talking golf. And I didn't have anyone in LA that I could play with at that time. I didn't know any other golfers. So I was like, oh, great. So came back to Australia for... Uh, a holiday and then took my clubs back over to the US text Eric at 10 30 that night that I got home and said hey I'd love to play some golf um and he says can you play at seven o'clock tomorrow morning and, <laughs> and true and true Eric style if you know him and classic and yeah. um and I was like yep done and by the ninth hole he'd offered me a job so that That's was great. essentially how I got started in it and I didn't have same thing i didn't have a clue what i was doing andrew you know just <laughs> you know finding my feet and one thing that I, one thing that i do have that has never served me any um it's never done me any good in my entire life until i met eric and got this job was i have a bit of a 
crazy memory for, I suppose, football players of the 90s and teams and games and scores. And I have the same thing with golfers because my dad was always had golf on the telly. Yeah, yeah. I was always obsessed with who won tournaments, what year. Like, so I had all these stats. And Erica just started doing work uh, with the PGA Tour and says, well, we can use all that because you know everything that is to know about these guys out on tour. You just come up with creative for them because you know their backstory, what they've done, kind of without going on Google sort of thing. And it went Interesting. from there to, yeah, so it went from there to, it was do that and take behind the scene photos. And then it was putting a camera on my hand, <clears throat> excuse me, and just saying, be a second camera, go shoot. And just honestly learning on the job, you know? And then just like you say, look, just being obsessed with it and just really diving into it. And then obviously we were so lucky as well, having access to some of the most incredible golf courses in the world when we were out there filming and popping off snaps whenever I had a chance and coming down to New Zealand and meeting yourself, look, and um, meeting one, meeting amazing people, two, getting to amazing locations, and three, just being obsessed, totally obsessed with the golf and the creative world because it was a totally different world to me. I'd been on a building site laying pipes <laughs> and then, and now I'm at Pebble Beach with a camera in my hand. Right. <laughs> never, never in a million years. I'll never forget the first tournament uh, I ever went to was um, the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua. Mm-hmm. It was my first ever PGA Tour event. Wow. And, and I was obs- just, like I say, obsessed with golf and I couldn't believe. And Andrew, have you, have you been to that tournament? Have you been no, to I've never, Cap- no, I've never been, been to Kapalua, no. But like, yeah, that's a smaller field and it's like... Tiny it's the, field. Yep. You, the access you have to the players is kind of crazy because there's not a lot of fans at the tournament. Right. So you can get really close to the players. It's, it's actually an ideal tournament. It's in Hawaii. So it's, um, yeah, I was right. kind of pinching myself. And then from then on, it was, I've been pinching myself for the past 10 years almost. It's great. You know? So you so you've been shooting. So you went from random golf club, and then you've kind of just been like shooting golf. Because I know when I saw you at in St Andrews, you were shooting for the RNA. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was just a case of I'd sent a portfolio and said I think the hundred and fiftieth at St Andrews, right? But I just thought I have to be involved because St Andrews is such a special place to me. As I say, I grew up there. Every summer we would go there. That was our summer holiday was through in St Andrews. So from a child, I have the fondest memories of being there. 150th at the home of golf. I just thought I want to be involved. I have to be involved in this in some capacity. So I just reached out and just tried to sell myself to them. And one thing led to another and then I ended up on the content team. There you go. It was a dream week. And like you say, Andrew, that was when I saw you. And it was one of those, you know, it's almost... It's almost like these days, because you know everyone from your social media screens and everything. It's like when you see a movie star, you feel like you know them. Or when you see an athlete that you grew up watching, you feel like you know them. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, hey. Sure. And it was like when you walked past, I'd seen your photo on my timeline for such a long time, but I'd never seen you in the flesh. And it was one of those right. kind of like, Spider-Man memes. Right. Wait, yeah, I know that exactly. guy. You know? <laughs> and then you're trying to piece the 2d world into the 3d world <laughs> it's a funny it's a funny feeling yeah um, it's amazing yeah and then yeah. obviously yeah, sh- 
shooting the open was the dream. And it looks like I'm now doing Hoylake again this year. So Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's for you, Luke, like again, like obviously you're saying just dipping your toe, like you never know where it could lead. You never ever know. Um yeah. as I say, eleven years ago I was I was plumbing. And now I'm inside the ropes with Tiger and Rory. Yeah. And I had never go. even seen those guys ten years ago in the flesh. So it really <laughs> is. And now I'm rubbing shoulders with them. It's so many pinch me moments, as I say. It's pretty wild. So Luke, quick question, because I do think it's fascinating. Um, last week I was at the PGA show in Orlando, and I'm forgetting how I got on the subject, but I was with I was walking with our CEO and we were talking about like just people attending the show. And a lot of them are head pros at clubs and whatnot. Um, and he told me an interesting fact, and I'm forgetting, I'm probably going to quote this incorrectly, but there's a very small handful of schools in the U.S. where you can actually go and get your certification in golf. And it's, I mean, I want to say it's like three or four schools. And he was like, that's it. Um, is it the same in New Zealand? Because I think I found that fascinating where it's like I can go anywhere and get a degree in graphic design for the most part. But I think for golf, it's interesting where so much of the industry is forced in certain directions. And then that that in itself, you know, creates a certain kind of output. But I, I don't know what it is on your side of the world. Yeah, truthfully, I'm not too familiar with like the USA, the, their PGA's requirement. I know they do have like you've got two parts where you've got your playing tests. And you got your academic side of it. So in New Zealand, that's basically joined together. Yeah. So we have the NZ PGA, and they basically, it's a three-year program, assuming you do it all in that three years. Half of it is the playing requirements. So you've got to, unless it's changed, but when I did it, each year you had to do 20 tournament rounds and maintain a certain average of score. I believe it was around 4 or 4.25. So you had to meet this requirement. If you were under that, you were passing. If you are over that, obviously you are failing. And then the other side of it is the academics. And that just basically covers literally everything in the golf industry from mm -hmm. simply selling a chocolate bar to club repairs to the management side of it, to the legal side of it, to anything and everything in the golf industry. So when you come out of that program, you're, you're capable to kind of go whatever avenue you want. Obviously most go down that teaching. I went more down the kind of golf club management route just mm -hmm. sitting my ass behind a computer doing emails all day um so yeah it's I, in new zealand i think it's pretty widely known that it's it's pretty tough um it's a long three week three years when you're doing that and then you're working full-time mm -hmm. like it was for me for me at least it was bloody brutal um and then i i mean i made it through the playing and everything but especially if you have that if you're like on the cusp of playing if you're under the average, but only just that, like that whole other stress of like, all right, I've actually got to go practice now. And like every round is important and you get no blowout rounds. So it's just mm. like a tournament. Like if you, if you shoot five, six over, you're going to be really, really hard pressed for the rest of the year. So it's just brutal, but thankfully it's all over now for me and I can just pay my fee every year. Um, I still have that passion. I still want to go back into it, but while I'm kind of young, um, I'm single. I'm a U.S. citizen, which is thank you, Dad. Um, so I can kind of nice. go as, as I need. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it's good. I eh? no, it's um, I'm pretty thankful for that. But I want to just go see what I can do with this photography. It may, nice. it may be nothing. I may, I may come calling back here in a month and be on my hands and knees to my boss at Jack. So take me back. But 
at least I can hold my head high and say, look, I gave it a go. But you gave it a go for sure. Can I just say something? Something that really bugs me about that. Um, if you want to become a teacher or things like that, I know a couple of pros here um, in Australia, and they're the same. They they're going through their apprenticeship at the moment. Have to maintain a four handicap. What has your handicap got to do with your ability to understand and teach the golf swing? If you understand the mechanics of a golf swing, why do you have to be a good golfer? Does that make sense? I could be crazy, but that's just a thought I've always had, especially <laughs> when you were shooting 85s every week. <laughs> like, I mean, since graduating, like, so literally the day after I graduated, I went back to the set I wanted to play, which was my dad's, I think, the, the 1971 Apex Redlines. Like, and I haven't taken them out of my bag since. I've got a, my driver is a Titleist PT 9.5, which is like what Tiger used to use in the early 2000s. And I've put a modern shaft in it and like I've tipped it to a three-wood length so it comes out like four feet off the ground and just runs for miles. But like, that's just the golf I love to play. And like when people think, see me as a PJ professional, when they see the set of clubs I use, they're like, really? <laughs> like I ain't paying this guy to teach me. But it's like, yeah, so it's a bit of a weird dynamic. Like, I don't think personally, like, I could be further, like, further from being a PJ professional, like, the way I represent myself on the golf course. Like, for the last year, I think I've played golf in chucks. Like, that's my golf shoe. Low top, converse, that's where I went to play golf. That's what I've decided my golf shoe is. Like, Sounds so uncomfortable. <laughs> no art support whatsoever. <laughs> in Queenstown, we, we, we use carts. Like, it's, it's a, you just don't walk these courses in, in this town too busy even when we walk like i still wear them broke my foot twice so it's always gonna hurt anyway so yeah because you're playing golf and chucks that's how you broke your foot twice <laughs> try it try it he's like just give it a go i reckon they're more comfortable than the was like foot joy icon that everyone used to wear although stunning yeah. i reckon like, that's, that's top five percent most uncomfortable shit maybe the new prems they've stepped it up and they're a bit more comfortable but those old foot joy icons are brutal on the feet yeah, that hard that hard leather bottom. Oof. Oof. But you'd suffer because it looks good. <laughs> I love I love a good chuck. <laughs> but with your with your program, did you have like was there because I can understand this idea of maintaining a certain handicap. Was there a part of your day that was allotted for, okay, like done with work, now I can go practice, or you had to squeeze it in when you can squeeze it in? Truthfully, you would never find me on a driving range. Like, even if I was playing bad golf, I just wouldn't go practice. It's just, mm -hmm. I love to play golf. Like, my, when I'm in and around golf, it's playing. Like, I'm not going to get a bucket of balls and go hit balls sure. on a driving range. I just, I'm all about going to play with my friends, you know, 2v2 two two in a car, we'll play split sixes, we'll play something. Like, so I never, even through my program, I never lost that. Like, I did my whole third year of my PGA program without using a tee. So I had driver off the deck the whole time. Like I never lost, <laughs> I never lost that, which I'm pretty proud of. I think that's pretty. What? Yeah. <laughs> was there a reason just for fun? Like people have the yips with putting. I have the yips with driver. Like a tee, seeing that tee and a driver on the ground, the ground, I just, it scares the living daylights out of me. Got do it. You do, the, do you do the Laura Davies? <laughs> Bang up the turf and. Yeah. So I just decided that's not, I got to hit it on the ground, but I just, I learned to play it and then like i'll just never look back like i love it wow so that's your standard way of hitting shots you're just you're teeing it up like a little i don't know like a three wood just 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 off the ground it's just i've just got it somehow 
get it in play. Once it's in play, I'm good. Like I love I, iron's one of the strongest parts of my game. But I've just got to somehow get it off the tee, and then I'm fine. I love that. And then you what? The nine nine and a half degree driver. It's a yeah. It's a Titleist PT nine point five. So it's like for those that know, it's like it looks like a hybrid, but it's a driver. Like it's just metal cast. It basically looks like there's a zero offset. Yeah, but it's just it's so much fun, and it comes out with probably somehow negative spin. Oh my god! It's it's honestly it's the best. And either way, like the new modern technology with how how many demons I've got off the tee, it ain't gonna help. <laughs> so I may as well have fun and hit this Titleist. Like if it's gonna be shit, it's gonna be shit anyway. So I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah, story of my life. Uh, yeah, agreed. Right, Stuart. I want to see your setup. We like. When you come over to the states, I want to see your bag because your your club setup sounds ridiculous, like absolutely insane. Yeah, so I've got that one wood, and I've got my the only really modern club that really saves me that I have is a Titleist two iron. I think it's TMB, one of those first like driving irons they did with the tungsten in the back. Mm-hmm. I've got that. That's like that's typically what I'd use off a tee on a par four, or if I'm playing with groups that don't know me. So I don't freak them out too much. <laughs> like that's what I use mostly. I think I've got like an SM4 Vokey that's just rusted to to nothing, but I just love it. And then an old Scotty. Fantastic. Just a blade. Just like just a classic classic Newport. No, it's an old Circa sixty two. Oh, I've got a sucker sixty two. I've got a sucker sixty two. That is the sexiest. Putt looking putter ever can't putt with it to save my life but man it looks good <laughs> i three putt so many times around like the site it's just a sight dot there's no line no line but yeah. it's just like oh man it, looking down on it is just so pure even though i have no idea where it's aimed it's just so good <laughs> it's, it works it's tiny isn't it the head on it it's just it's really thin like slim line it's almost like one of those uh golden eagle putters you used to get at the local pitching putt when you used to hire or if you oh it's a sexy putter i've got one yeah it's, it's, i mean i that'll be in my bag forever like i just love it but sick can't use it but it looks good i should even part of the day i still hold my own but i'm very capable of 80 85 to 90 aren't we all yeah <laughs> Stuart, wait what are you playing now Stuart? what's what's in your bag these days um i've still got some I th- do you know? What? I feel I'm going. To, I'm not as cool and quirky as Luke, unfortunately. Uh, I've got some P790s that are probably five years old, I reckon. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, so I've got two sets. I've got if I'm playing 18, I'll take my P790s. If I'm just going for a twilight six holes or something, I've got some Nike VR Pro combos that I just can't bring myself to get rid of. And similar to your Circa 62, I can't, I'm not a good enough player to be hitting blades from uh, <laughs> from uh, seven down to wedge, but they look great. They look so <laughs> sexy. Do you know the ones I mean? The pro combo set? Oh, they look they look so good. And I need that um, P790 cavity back, but those blades just look gorgeous. So Wait, are, if I'm are those the ones that Tiger played with? Are those Tigers? He irons? played, he, yeah, he played the full blade sets. Um, mines are split cavity, so from three iron, which still has a wrapper on it, I think, to seven, they've got slight cavities, and then eight, nine wedge are blades. 
are beautiful. And I used to have the pro combos before them, the first ever pro combos. They released and I was just and I was just talking to a mate about it the other day. I sold them for I think 150 bucks. It's one of my biggest regrets. Oh, you sold them for they 150. Are, They're beautiful. Oh, dude, they are so nice. Um, so yeah, I'll take them in my midweek round with the circa 62, funnily enough. Um and then I've got a I've actually got a bit of a kind of boast, by the way. I've got Jason Day's putter in my bag. <laughs> I've got Jason Day's tour uh, spider, tailor-made spider putter in my bag. What's the story I, behind that? How that happened? Um, yeah, I don't want to say I. I don't want to say I stole it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we so we did a job for tailor-made a few years ago, and uh, at the kind of wrap party at the end of the week, we all went out for dinner. We went to the Woods Jupiter Tigers restaurant down in Florida there. And mm-hmm. one of the tailor-made guys had had a few too many wines and said, I've got uh, dust, one of Dustin's putters under my desk if you want it. And um, I says, yeah, of course I want it. Like, that's a, that's great. <laughs> so obviously next day I messaged him, I remember you said about Dustin's putter, blah, 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 last night. And he must have been like, oh, God. Um, no, I don't remember that. But I said, I think I was, I can't remember, we were maybe traveling straight after that. And and then I got back to the States probably three weeks, a month later. And we were catching up with the guys again. I said, have you still got that putter under your desk? I want to take it off your hands. And he said, I don't. Um, they've taken it back. But I've got a Jason. Jason just brought one in that he's got lying around. Um, and yeah, so he gave me that one. So now Great. it's in the bag. People are always like, and there's a little sticker on the shaft that says JD, and it's on there forever. I even put another bit of tape over the top of it to protect it. <laughs> <laughs> that, you got it. That's a keeper. Uh, but honestly, I know why he gave it back. It's rubbish. Can't go <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna ask. That was my next question. How does the putter perform? Oh, it's the bit. Oh, it's unbelievable. I love it. It's probably the only putting's the only saving grace in my game. So I love that. Yeah, if it, if it works, if it works, stick with it's it. It's amazing. It's amazing. So yeah, it's like a navy. All it's there's no sightline, no nothing. The top's yeah. completely navy. The shaft's only I think it's maybe a thirty four inch shaft. With just the slimline spider grip. Oh, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous putter. People say, I can't believe you use this. I can't believe you use this. I'm, like, I'm not going to just leave it in the cupboard. And the more <laughs> I use it. The thing is, as well, the more it gets beat up, the more it looks like he used it. Yeah. So that's part of the story. New, it looks like it's straight off the shelf. Whereas if it gets beat up, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, he used this at, um, at Western Straits." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, make, just making just up make stories. It up. Yeah, make yeah. Up. He knew that T two Augusta. Yeah, yeah. That's why he gave it back because he finished T yeah. two that week. <laughs> no one's gonna, no one's gonna question that. Ever. So not now. It's good. I'm a firm believer in that that concept of just things are meant to be used and not like, you know, hoarded away and put on a shelf. Like gear looks better when it's dinged up. And like one hundred percent. That's that's my philosophy. That's with everything. Cameras, whatever, laptops, like just use your stuff. I fact so my whole bag basically top to bottoms tailor made, my main bag, mm-hmm. but the one club I cannot get rid of is uh my Nike Vapor three wood. Uh, sorry, three hybrid. Oh, 
the most consistent club in the bag. I did just pick up one similar, actually. I've been helping really? out a golf course in Queenstown, and in their dungeon, they had this old Nike Ignite driver. Oh, got it. Yeah, so I was obsessed with that driver. It's um, we put a three wood shaft in. I think we've tipped it like two inches, so it's like a hybrid shaft now. Mm. And we've put this like jumbo grip on it. But it's 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 close to earning a permanent spot in my bag. Like it is visually like three forty cc or something. Like it is yeah. such a clean looking club. That was That's Pete fantastic. Tiger that Ignite driver. Yeah. I'm still oh, keeping my eyes out for a square Sasquatch club as well. Remember those yellow ones with the square head? I had the round one, and Eric used to call it the tin can. <laughs> yeah. I had, a, I had a square one. I should have kept it. That You're was the kidding. first It was the first club I ever bought. I'll believe that. Yeah, it was that. Uh, I got it from Golfsmith. They had a buy one, buy the driver, get the three wood free. Uh, so I had the square Sasquatch driver and then the three the three uh Sasquatch three wood. First was that square too? No, was that one was square? no three wood was just traditional. Did they make a square yeah. three wood? I don't think they did. I think it was just yeah, the they driver. Did. I they think they did. did. I thought they did. I thought they did the square one down to a five wood. Did I they? could be wrong, but I swear that they had the I was a Nike golf club aficionado back in the day. Oh yeah. They're hard now. And I have um yeah, my second set of irons were the vapor speeds. Which I still oh, have. Yeah. I, I oh. kept them. And then I have yeah, uh, still kept those irons. I have a couple of the drivers, like the, I'm forgetting, like the Vapor, the Blue Head, like that like electric Blue Head, yeah. which is one I of bet. Tommy Fleetwood's favorite clubs. I have those. I had the hybrid three wooden driver. And then I have the covert driver. And I think I have another one. But yeah, they're great. So on Tommy Fleetwood, he went around after he stopped making clubs. Well, so I heard this could be one of those rumor mills. But I heard that Fleetwood was buying up old split sets of the VR Pro irons because they stopped making them because he loved yeah. when he whack when he was a Nike guy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick story on the Blue Driver. I was thinking about that the other day actually because I'll never forget when uh, Nike decided they were going to stop making golf clubs, and I was with Eric and I saw an advertisement come up that. Um, What's the name of the? I can't remember. Roger Dunn, maybe. Is it Roger Dunn, Andrew? In the um, US, are so they weird. are they West Coast? Are they West Coast? I think they're. Yeah. I think that's a West Coast story. Yeah. Yeah. So they were doing the drivers and everything for one fifty, a hundred bucks. And I thought that cannot be right. So Eric and Eric and I raced to the golf store, and sure enough, they were heavily reduced. And I oh. bought I bought them up, and yeah, the next minute they says we're going to stop making golf clubs. They were slack. Yeah. They were like seventy percent off or something. Oh, ridiculous! Wow. Out, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. So that would have been, I reckon, that was probably the last driver that they made, the blue one. Yeah, the blue one. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the last one. But yeah, that wasn't that was an epic one. I still have it. I need to pull it out and actually play it and see how it feels. Maybe change the shaft out. Because I enjoyed. I it. gave it. I gave it to a mate of mine here in Australia, and he bombs it every time. And I'm always like, give me that back. <laughs> Every it's time weird. we play each other, I say I'll play you, but the one rule is you're not allowed to use my driver because oh, he bombs that blue Nike one. Yeah, it's great stuff. I mean, old. I I feel like the old stuff is is so good in some regards because, like, to a certain point, some technology it only like, the iron can only advance so far, at least for yeah. me. And also, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, technology is not going to solve all of your problems. Like, you just need to just hit the ball in the center of the face and get it square. 
But, you know, a little a little tech is good, and we all get caught up in it sometimes. Like, you know, I got the stealth, and I like it, but, like, you know, I don't like it as significant, significantly more than other drivers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you know what I think as well, though? Um, talking about, obviously, golf and community. Uh, having an old set of clubs in the bag is such a great conversation starter at a golf club. 100%. Yeah. Because golf nerds see it, and they're like, oh. And like and people that know, you know, it's straight up a conversation starter. Yes, oh, those clubs are sick. Like, you know, I agree. Yeah, more so time. than the new stuff. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you got the new stuff. Okay. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> Let's... look, it's character, as with all parts of life. Yeah, I'm a I'm a firm believer. Uh, so Luke, so you're coming over. Uh, before you come over, I'd love to talk a little bit about both of you guys, just with. Because you're both in summer right now. I'm very jealous. Uh, yeah. Have you been playing any golf recently? Because you're still in New Zealand. Stuart, you're, where are you in Australia? Australia, yeah. Where Are you in Sydney? Uh, I'm in Adelaide. Got it. So South, have... South Australia. Nice. Are we've you guys live, getting out? We've Go got Lev Golf coming here. And it's um, the biggest news that's ever happened to South Australia in history. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was, at the, um, I was at an event the other night. And uh, some member of um, parliament or some other was here saying it's the fastest selling sporting event in history. Wow. People clamoring to see the live guys. Just want to watch some golf. Look. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually at my, it's actually at my home course. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So go shoot some so, golf. Yeah. I can't wait. Cause it's so rare that we get, I think that the reason that's, been so popular is because we don't get big names we don't get um big tournaments down here we'll get the occasional president's cup uh in melbourne but in south australia in particular especially having guys like cam smith in the field big guys he's after last year obviously at st andrews he's just the hottest property in australian golf at the moment so a lot of people are coming from interstate to watch which is huge for us Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of tournaments in New Zealand, uh, Luke, or is it kind of the same, like not too much? Yeah, look, not on a global scale. Like we've got we've got one coming up here that I'm working with, the NZ Open. Um, that's on like the Australasian tour. A lot of the Asian tour players will come, although it sits that's, in a bit of a weird time. That's where we met, look, New Zealand Open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be involved with that. I'm going to shoot that. Um, and then, yeah, right after that event, probably get over. Get over to the States. Nice. Where are you coming when you come over here? What's your first stop? Honestly, I don't know. I'll probably know here in a week. I've been um, probably six or seven interviews in with a, with a company over in New York. Um, so I'm going to see how that goes. I'm like 50-50 if I get it. Okay. I had to give like a little, a little presentation PowerPoint the other morning and like the brief was a little bit cryptic and I couldn't ask questions, but like I felt okay. Although I could have been so far off what they actually wanted, but like my understanding was like, we're all right. Like I held my own. Yes. But um, potentially I could have held my own in the complete wrong way. So um, we'll we'll kind of see if that. But if that comes through, I'll I'm gonna drop everything and be over there in like literally a week, a week and a half. You guys nice. will be golfing in two weeks. We're, we're going to be golfing. Terrible, probably. Yeah. Um, if I don't get that, I'm gonna stick out with the open. We have the NZ PGA Championships the week after. Nice. And then I'll fly over 
I've got a good friend up in kind of the Boston area, so I might just go to him straight away. I've got a good friend in Charlotte, um, both complete golf nuts. And then unwillingly probably go back into the head pro golf space just so I can actually have some income and live and then try and navigate my way out of that again. Um, but yeah, for the last two months, I've been kind of just looking, putting feelers out for the for the content photography space. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just so much freelance and not being there and being here, it's kind of, it's a bit brutal. But I think once I'm over there, it'll be a little bit easier if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Definitely. we'll see how this yeah. New York thing goes. But um, look, it's not the worst. Like I do still have a passion to run golf courses and be in that space. But while I'm young, I still want to see what I can do with the camera. So that's all I can really think about. And yeah, I don't really want to sit behind a counter and sell chocolate bars to for a sure. country club. <laughs> When you could be taking photos of people eating them. <laughs> <laughs> that chocolate bar looks so good. Yeah. You need both. Yeah. And I think just having having your experience of just understanding the back end of things, it always makes it makes things on the front end. Uh, I think it tells a clearer picture because you see it from the perspective of all the people, which I think is really powerful. So yeah, and that's what I've been trying to sell with this company. So hopefully they see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I fully support that. Um, but with, cause you guys so are in, before you come, are you getting in a, a bunch of golf before you head over? Cause it's summer now, right? Since leaving Jack, like, it's literally all I do. Like it's, it's, if I'm working, like I'm doing a little bit of part-time work at a, at a golf course in town, Queenstown golf club, but every minute outside of my shop hours, I'm, I'm on the golf course with my buddies. Nice. If not, I've just got a bunch of stuff. I photograph like the boys for the flyers club. I basically just give it to my friends, wear it. We'll play some golf and I'll just be in the background photographing you. So always playing. Typically not 18 holes. We just don't have time. Everyone's working. So we'll go out for yeah. a little six, nine, 12 hole match somehow. And then we'll just play. But maybe 18 holes once a week, maybe a full round once nice. a week. But yeah. I don't know if you find I've played way less golf since I started working in golf. <laughs> I've, before, yes. Honestly, it's before I started it's working true. in the industry, I was playing at least 27 sometimes 36 a week now i'm lucky if i get 27 36 a month you yeah know? that's that's that is accurate you're around it but like you're just not hitting balls yeah exactly and everyone's and it's always the question i get asked if i come back to australia or states or scotland and it's oh your golf game must be unbelievable <laughs> and i'm like i haven't swung a club for two months i've just always got a camera in my hand <laughs> you know you know i wasn't playing in the open right <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it goes so, sometimes but it's fun I, I do like to be around it that's one of the things that's really cool because i i got for to sure. come over for the open and i um i got to follow adam and i walked i mean i walked all of his practice rounds i walked saint andrews the old course like four times which was amazing and i i hit zero golf balls in that trip and it was and I didn't care because I was happy. I was like, I just yeah. I got to watch, you know, a professional player like show me how to attack this course like that. That in itself was amazing. So sometimes just playing through osmosis is playing in a weird way. I when I when I first started uh, working with Erica, certainly because at that point I was playing a lot of golf and I was seriously seriously obsessed with the game. And then we would go to all these places and we would never have time to play. Or we would have to film and we'd be filming uh, Eric playing with someone else. And and I was just like, this is the biggest tease 
I've ever <laughs> had in my entire life. One, because I never thought I'd get here. And two, I'm finally here and I don't have a club in my hand. I've got a camera, you know? Yeah. And still play so, jacks. We played a few holes at jacks. I'll give you that. <laughs> you need to get down to the Southern Hemisphere, Andrew. I know. I've I've heard nothing but good things. We had, um, we should release this episode too. So her name is Grace. You know Grace, Luke. Do you know Grace Raquella? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, so at, at TRI, uh, which looks epic. And like I don't know, over here in the States, every That's golf good. course in New Zealand that I've Googled, it looks like it's, it looks out of this world. And I think you just got to get there and then you just got to play it. So, yeah, I got to get down there. But is Jack's, is that top of your list for you? Like, what's your top three? Probably number one, I'm going to say, is a place called Roxburgh. It's it's an eight hole course. It's like maybe twenty bucks green fee. It's like an hour and a half away from Queenstown. Twenty dollars? Yeah, it's like a. Oh, it's a real Kiwi golf course, but it's like I think there's one greenkeeper. Um, I think the sheep do most of the work just by eating the grass. Like it's one of those classic courses. Yeah. It is just so much fun, and like we always get just a, a van of people when we go and play it. So I always have the best time there. Jack's is probably number two just because of that piece of property is like, it's so hard to explain to people that haven't been there how like mind blowing it is. Like you just can't comprehend it. Like it's, it's, it's just so insane. So like playing there, like the foot of the remarkables, which is the most like outrageous looking mountain you've ever seen. It's Mordor and Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's literally Mordor. Cause you're basically just right at the, right at the base of a mountain. Right. Exactly. And then the other side of the property is looking over this gorgeous lake with just 360 views of these outrageous mountains. Like it's every time you're there on a beautiful day, it's just like, oh my God. Like it is just, it was meant for a golf course. Yeah. Three, I haven't played, I've been to TRI a couple of times just shooting it, but I haven't played it yet. So I'll leave that one out. But probably a place in Taupo called Kinloch. Mm. Oh yeah. Kinloch's. Kinloch's Brutal. Jack Nicholas design. Um, reason being is it's because you suffer like it is just a brutal golf course like they have the Nicholas Blacks which is like the back tees mm-hmm. and like I probably haven't broken 95 there like getting three woods into par threes you're not reaching par fives and twos right like you just suffer but at the end <laughs> of suffering it's just so much fun for me and my friends like I, I just I love going there yeah sometimes you gotta torture yourself Stuart do you have a top three in New Zealand <laughs> or or Australia you can choose uh I'm there's so much good there's so much uh, there's so much good golf in New Zealand and Australia I'm trying to think if I can split the two let's go Australia since Luke gave us I just want to give a special shout out to a couple of courses in New Zealand though uh, Param Param was we jumped off a connecting flight to go there because someone told us about it as we were boarding the flight We'd never got on our second flight. We just jumped off and went and played it, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, Arrowtown. Arrowtown's a funky little weird, quirky course that we had a great time at. But uh, if I'm going to do three in Australia, I think Farnboogle is Farnboogle Dunes. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, Andrew, down in Tasmania. Yes, I've heard of that one. It's basically, I suppose you would say it's Australia's Bandon. Right. Right. There's two and a half courses down there. Um, and yeah, they're just stunning. Um, 
my favourite on the big island in Australia, I think, is probably Kingston Heath. Kingston Heath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that one too. Um, if I was going to pick a personal favourite of mine, is a local course here in Adelaide called Mount Compass, which is, yeah, same. It's like, it's 40 bucks uh, to play and, and kangaroos everywhere. Great layout, front and back. It's just an awesome golf course. It's one of those golf courses that you go and play. It's a public course. You go and play and you never, ever, ever get tired of playing it. That's the biggest compliment I can give it. It never gets mundane. Every time you go there, you you get excited you're going to play. And it's a $40 Muni. That's all you want. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, that's maybe um, the three would be Barnboogle, Kingston Heath, and I'm going to throw a compass in there. Nice. I'm going to, I need to write all these downs and I'm going to pull from this recording just so, so I can make my list. So there's also, um, we did a post on Instagram yesterday, the day before, but um, two of our buddies from the Northeast that work at a club up here, I guess just because it's, you know, the off season, they actually just flew into Australia and they're going to be over there for basically a month playing golf, like everywhere. So there's 26 days straight of tea times. Like some days are playing doubles. It's, uh, it's a FOMO trip. So oh, I'm going to be like following their rounds in fair game to see like where they're playing and what they're liking. And then like, I'm going to pull from this podcast so I can put together my own ma- master list. So I know when I come down there, I know what to tackle. Cause there's a lot of good golf. Uh, I think I'm going to meet up with those lads. If I'm, I should be in town still. So I'm going to take out the Jacks and yeah, we'll have a whack of Jacks. Yeah. A whack of Jacks. There you go. A I ja- think uh, if you look, have you been over to the sand belt? I have, yeah. I went 2018, maybe. Yeah. Just to Melbourne and then Hamilton Island as well, which is a pretty cool one. Yeah. That's where you uh, yeah. start your golfing adventure. The go- golf in the sand belt is, it's like, it's unlike any other golf you'll ever play. Ugh. It's hard to describe the, the condition of these courses, Andrew. Mm. It's honestly like trying to stop a ball in a bathtub. <laughs> it's and it's the greens you have no idea it's very possible to put into the bunkers yeah you know? just just firm oh firm fast tricky the bunkering's incredible we played uh metropolitan the sand belt one year and you had to stop the ball 10 yards short of the green to have any chance of holding the chance. green See, so that's it's just fun. a different uh, it's fun it's just a different golf you know yeah that's really cool I got to come down there. Let me see who I can talk to at work to plan a trip or something because it just, it just has to happen. It has to. Yeah. Well, Stuart, hopefully this was fun. I know we're almost out of time. Stuart, I'll uh, hopefully see you soon. When are you heading back to the States? Uh, I'm not too sure. Possibly in May. Possibly okay. in May. Um, but then, yeah, I'll be at Hoylake. I don't know if you're going to head over for the Open again. Yeah, I think so. Knock on wood. Probably. I'll I want to go. Yeah. Well, I'll see you there at the latest. Yeah. That'll be fun. And then, Luke, I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Luke. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, every morning I check my phone for that email. Shit, hasn't come yeah. through. And maybe I've been you even You've even got your manifestation board on the wall behind you. There you go. See, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the skyline. See? I'm in the old, I'm in, in Dad's old office. Yeah. I've been, 
if you zoom in on that, you can probably see Andrew on this Zoom yeah, call. If you if you zoom in, yeah, right <laughs> over there by the by that bridge, by the Brooklyn Bridge, and keep going north. That's where I am right now. <laughs> I mean, I was there. I was there last summer, and for five days, it it tore me apart. Like I don't think I slept for five days. Um, exactly. Maybe it's not the best place That's for me to live, but like played some amazing golf and just went out every night and just like lived our best life for five nights. So sounds great. So yeah. much good golf over there. That's what you do. All right. So I'll see, I'll see you next week. Well, I mean, maybe don't come next week because it's still really cold here. Like it snowed yesterday. Not ideal for golf. But, you know, you can you can kind of get out like it, I played last week. And it was like 50s, which is what I don't know. Is that teens for you guys? I really struggle with that conversion. I wish America would just adopt the Celsius. It's like it's just cold. It's, it's cold. but yeah. <laughs> It looks cold. Right. Too hot here. You just want to say, just adopt Celsius, 100's boiling, zero's freezing. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Is that like that, how easy is it? <laughs> yeah, that's easy. I agree. Yeah, we need to, who can we call just to just to standardize it? Because it is very confusing. Yeah. But so yeah. If you could fix that, if you could fix that by the time Luke gets over, that'd be great. Thanks, Andrew. Yes. I will make some phone calls and hope we have that sorted by the time you get here. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for the time. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair Game Podcast. If you haven't already, you can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.